Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman. On this week's show, uh, we'll talk about Florida's 91-75 loss to Missouri. Um, you know, what what caused it, what Florida needs to do to improve defensively. It's been a big problem with uh, the program the last uh, couple weeks. And, you know, we'll preview the Ole Miss game and, and uh, get into the, the first of, of a huge set of games for the Gators coming up one of the toughest stretches of the season so um hope you guys enjoy the show and as always make sure you send us your listener questions give us a rating uh itunes spotify any of that stuff it all matters it all helps uh, us attract sponsors it helps us um just grow the program so thanks everybody and enjoy Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. I'm with Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Uh, a lot to talk about tonight. Florida goes to Como and um, lays a pretty big egg. Uh, just absolutely, they lost. I mean, not, they lose 91-75 wire to wire. They never lead. Uh, give up a, a contested three on the opening possession that at first you're kind of shook your head. And then, oh man, if like one shot could tell the whole story. Uh, that that beginning was was inauspicious, Eric, and and a sign of a tough night to come. Yeah, I think to see uh, to see him hit that kind of you know leaning uh, sprint into the three off the catch for for Missouri's first make. Uh, I mean, a great shot, but uh, not a shot that Missouri to- you know normally makes. And uh, for that reason, I was like, hey, that's a good hit. But uh, did I think that that was going to be the story for the next uh, uh, forty minutes of gameplay, or you know the next two hours of real time? Uh, uh, definitely not, but uh, uh, it's really interesting to see. There was a little bit of a mix of, uh, you know, there like there was definitely some well defended shots by the Gators that uh, that fell. Uh, but you definitely can't look at it as just Missouri got hot. I, that was Florida's worst defensive performance. Uh, something that I think got even uh, that even got kind of not talked about enough was, I mean, like Florida gave up forty points in the paint, and a lot of those were uncontested straight line drives. Uh, there was t- so as much as I mean the shooting was ridiculous for Missouri. I mean they were living, they were eating good off off uncontested layups too. So uh, uh, yeah, just not a lot you can really point to. Uh, great on the defensive end. I, I, I mean Neil, I think you might be surprised by this. I'm sure you probably looked at it too, but uh, I, I mean Florida was over a point per possession offensively, and I think a lot of that had to do with uh, you know the Kerry Blackshear parade to the free throw line in the second half. So. Uh, you could say that they did some things well offensively, and, and Florida shot the three well. But I mean, uh, that defensive performance—I mean, um, could could that be the worst defensive performance you've seen un- under White? Uh, what do you think, Neil? Yeah, I really thought it was, um, just because it was such a—I mean, you already kind of got to it. It was a combination of things. It wasn't like it's tempting to look at that game and say Missouri was twelve of eighteen from three. How do you win when a team shoots like that? And I don't think that that really is fair to to what the problems were. And, I, and as a compare and contrast, like there was a game in in 2013 that Florida played under Donovan, um, where Arkansas went 12 of 20, and Florida lost. And you know, okay, that Florida team went on to win the SEC championship. I'm not saying this team is. I'm just saying that like those things happen sometimes in college basketball. Um, you know, you can just lose to a team that shoots the lights out of the place. But Florida, like, 
like you mentioned, you know, their interior defense it was really bad, and they got absolutely excoriated. Um, word I don't get to use very much on the uh, pick and roll. I mean, just abused. And I mean, if you're giving up three dunks to read Nico, for example, like something's wrong with your pick and roll defense. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was really poor. Uh, I went back and watched the game a second time. Uh, then I watched every one of Missouri's makes. Uh, then I went and watched all Missouri's makes again. So that that was my morning. Uh, we're recording <laughs> this on Sunday. Oof. So I mean, uh, my you know my it's so Neil. It is minus nine Fahrenheit in uh, where I live this morning. Ooh. It is the cold. It is ridiculously cold. But uh, we're I'm about twelve hours away from being on a plane to Orlando. So okay. Uh, but anyway, so my car didn't <laughs> start. I was gonna go to church. <laughs> it's I said I uh, watched Florida's game a bunch more times, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, watching the screen and roll, and there was times where a, a play happened and, and Missouri scored, and I went back and watched it, and then I'd go back again, and I'd watch it over and over and over again. And uh, the screen and roll defense is, is quite poor, and um, this was something that went back to Alabama. Alabama did this really well, and uh, not to single one guy out, I guess. Well, I guess I'm singling them out, but uh, uh, there's other guys who had problems too, but Kerry Blackshear is just again. getting kicked on by by every opposing coach, and honestly, it's it's working, and uh, he's someone who like Florida is trying to get their bigs to go out and, and show uh, in when, they, when there's pick and rolls, uh, he's simply just not trapping hard enough. And then he's not quick enough to recover to the big man. So uh, he's coming out to play these, this hard aggressive style of defense uh, and, and, you know, good ball handlers are, are passing right over the top of it. And I think that uh, Missouri, who's not a great offensive team, I mean, they must've been coached. They might've saw film. They must've known they are going to be able to, uh, to pass the ball and, uh, there was also multiple times where Kerry Blackshear got split. So uh, uh, where, uh, you yep. know, the ball handler uses the screen and yep. uh, Blackshear is supposed to take him and uh, the guy crossed him over and got in the paint that way and got a couple uncontested. Uh, yeah, there was just this really simple ball screen that Missouri ran over and over and over again. It was really their only ball screen. What they would do is they would go and uh, a ball handler would be on the side. So it looked like they were giving a side ball screen, uh, but it was kind of a fake action. So the disguise goes set the screen, he would roll, and then they'd uh, they'd throw the ball to the point, and then that would be their real screen and roll. So they also got a few times where uh, th- what they would do is they'd run that first side ball screen with whoever was uh, with uh, whoever Omar Payne was guarding, and then sometimes they would get that switch. So like suddenly Andrew Nemhart would be uh, would be guarding the big man. So then the big man would dive, Andrew Nemhart's on him, and then they would involve Kerry Blackshear in the real screen and roll. Uh, and they'd get Kerry Blackshear in no man's land, and yep. uh, and and then Andrew Nemhart would be in a helping situation, and you know that can be just tough at times. So uh, really, just s- smart basketball by Missouri. But I mean, we saw Alabama and, and Missouri, two teams that aren't great offensively, uh, simply just exposing Kerry Blackshear. Uh, and you know, there's some other guys who had some tough moments. Uh, I, I mean, Jason Jatobo in his small minutes, he was in tough because again, he was asked to go be aggressive and show on screen and roll and recover. That's that's tough for him, but. Uh, yeah, that's a whole lot of me talking about pick and roll defense. Uh, what did you think, Neil? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. I, I do think Alabama's pretty good on offense, but but I I think um, or they're certainly becoming a lot better, right, right, right. Uh, as opposed to like Missouri, who I, I think is going to be offensively limited all year, and and they're not going to shoot. I mean, yeah, look, they're not going to shoot what they shot again. You know, you don't you really probably don't have two games a year where you shoot sixty percent. Uh, some programs you don't have one. So uh, I thought that that was a problem and it was disappointing, but, but yeah, I mean, I felt like the game was largely lost with defense. And then I felt like the game was lost with, well, I don't want to get into second balls yet. I want to talk about that towards the end. And, you know, 
just any 50-50 ball, it just seems like a lot of hustle plays that Missouri made that Florida didn't make um, early in the game, at least. I thought Florida was better about it in the second half. Um, but I thought Florida offensively, because you mentioned it, they end up over a point of possession. They get outscored 40-14 in the paint. A little deceptive, Eric, because of all the free throws. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not like what Florida's plan – I thought the scout was probably poor in the first half. Like, I didn't understand why – Florida went away from the high ball screen. I don't understand why Florida went away from the butt screen. I didn't see that in the first half. I saw it once in the second half. I I didn't watch the game twice because I didn't want to put myself through that again. Um, <laughs> but but I thought Florida kind of got away from the formula that worked against Alabama in particular, which I thought was odd because Missouri, you know, kind of similar in terms of how they want to approach defending. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I kind of found that to be curious too, because, you know, Florida's first couple of possessions, the only times they got points where they ran two ball screens. One of them got Omar Payne to the free throw line. Uh, the other was a three point play for Kerry Blackshear. Right. Uh, right. After that happens, they go away from the ball screen. Uh, they don't run it. They keep running those box pin downs or uh, I know you refer to it as horns. I kind of see horns as a little bit different, but I think horns will be like, for people, people can kind of picture that where uh, they set two down screens and then throw the ball into the elbow. Uh, they actually got two three pointers off that look, which, um, if for those of you who read my article about uh, Florida's play call, that was one of their worst plays. They were at like 0.58 points yeah. per possession, and they just <laughs> ran it a ton against Missouri. And they actually got, you know, they did get two three pointers out of it, but they ran it a ton in the first half. Uh, went against the they they went away from the ball screen. Another thing I thought was really interesting was, you know, Florida. Actually, I got to shout out Mike White. Mike White uses an earlier timeout than he ever does in the first half. Love to see that. And then he, of course, uses the timeout 40 seconds into the second half. I love that. Yeah. I, I know that, obviously, you know, Florida still didn't win this one, but I thought it was great timeout usage. But so, so Florida starts the game with two, you know, two screen and rolls that ends up with, with points. They go away from it. Um, then they don't use it a lot in the first half. Second half comes. Mike White calls the, an early timeout. Uh, then Florida, on the next two times on the floor, they run two wedge ball screens. They get a three-pointer and a two-point basket, so they get five points on two possessions, and then they don't run a wedge ball. Like, I mean, I, I know that some people probably, some coaches don't want to be stale. They don't want to keep going to the well, but I mean, like, if I score, I get a three-pointer and I get a bucket on the next, and I get five points in two possessions, I'm going right back to the same play. Or I'm going to the side ball screen, which we didn't really see, even though that worked really well for them against Alabama. So, uh, and then one thing I thought was interesting in the post game was afterwards, um, Mike White was talking about how good Drew Smith was in a screen and roll defense, um, which so I, so I saw that. And when I was watching the game again, uh, he definitely had some good moments in screen and roll defense. But I mean, like, I, I think that Florida saw in past games that he was good in screen and roll and just didn't want to involve him in those actions. But I also thought, like, man, like Florida's best offense has been the screen and roll. I, I don't think that Drew Smith's defense should, yeah. should take you out of it. So. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up, Neil, because that was something that I, I noticed. They didn't go to the screen and roll a lot uh, when they did early in the game and early in the second half. It was they got points and then they went away from it. So there could be some uh, some reasoning behind it that I, I, I don't see. But uh, but yeah, on the surface, I um, I thought it was a little puzzling. Yeah, no, it's just a curious it was a curious plan. And then the other thing I, I would just add to the the point you're making about, I mean, you whatever you want to call that that horns type action. I, I, what bothers me about it, I think is that last night I thought it led to a couple turnovers because when you come out of it, 
you know, Andrew then is stuck trying to make something out of nothing, especially if he's headed downhill, Eric. And like, you know, at least I gotta be careful with this. Cause this is one of the things that I think drives people crazy about the Florida offense. And I admit that sometimes late in shot clocks, this has gotten the Gators in trouble this season. But the one thing about ball screen failure is that you can just correct it by rescreening. Right. And that's just a hard action to rescreen, I think. Oh yeah. That's a great point. And I mean, one thing too, that I, that could have been why Florida got away from it. The screen and roll was there was also a moment where, um, and, and I, again, like I, I would say Florida hasn't done this at all this season. I, I in a vacuum don't like doing this, uh, but maybe it was something they wanted to do, but they did go to set one side ball screen, but in, and it was Jason Jatobo, but instead of setting it to the middle of the floor, he sent it to the sideline, which is something I don't really like to do as a coach. I, I don't think it's, it's very good. It doesn't give your ball handling many options. So right. Andrew Nemhart tried to snake it. So he goes towards the sideline, but then he tried to cut back into the middle. Um, and in doing that, that was where, you know, Drew Smith chased him, stole the ball and, you know, got points at the other end. Um, but, uh, but once again, I thought that that was, you know, maybe that's something that's in Florida's arsenal that we haven't seen all, at all this year. Um, I don't, I haven't seen it. And I also just don't think setting side ball screens towards the sideline is, is a very <laughs> good thing to do. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, that was a, that was an error, but once again, I, I saw it happen. And if I'm Nemhard and I see Jason Jatobo coming to set a side ball screen towards the sideline, um, I'm saying like, Hey, uh, you know, like. I don't use a screen and I, and I get them to rescreen it to the center, but who knows, maybe it's something they do, but uh, yeah, it's a good point is when they, when they run that little horn set, there's that Iverson cut over the top for usually Trey Mann when he's on the floor. Uh, there's a lot going on, but it's also a lot of congestion in, in the scoring areas. Right. And uh, uh, yeah, I actually really like there was one like crackback flare screen that Keontae Johnson set for Noah Locke who got an open three. And it was actually a really cool play. Uh, but it was kind of like a wrinkle out of a play that just hasn't been awfully effective for Florida. So, um, yeah, why Florida keeps running that, I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I'm not at practice. Maybe it looks awesome in practice. Maybe there's a reason in the scout. Uh, but it's something that uh, when I wrote my article about Florida's play call analysis, uh, it, it was quite poor. It was like around, I think it was 0.58 or 0.59 points per possession. And uh, we mm -hmm. hadn't seen it for a bit. And then they just ratted a bunch against Missouri. So, uh um, yeah, again, on the surface to, uh, to us who, you know, aren't in the scouting room, aren't in the, in the practices, uh, it can look a little bit puzzling. Yeah, no, uh, not really much of a, much more to add, you know, look, uh, I thought Florida, I did think Florida's energy and hustle was better in the second half. Um, I would note that, that Chris Harry, um, that McCubert, uh, that, you know, I don't remember who was on color because I turned to Mick Hubert. I think it was because it was Dave Neal, and I just, I just don't. I'm not gonna say anything bad. I just I prefer Mick Hubert. So, but but everybody told this story about shoot around how they felt like kind of a low energy shoot around for the Gators. I guess White felt the team was a little sleepy, and you know they gave them this message: Hey, you know you you won two games. Uh, you know you haven't you haven't done anything yet. You haven't won any titles yet. And pretty much in my view, like, um, you know, it really seemed to me that, that really Noah Locke and, and Kerry Blackshear were kind of the only guys that really came to play. And I, I'm, you know, I, I would say just thinking about it defensively that, you know, even Blackshear, you know, just cause the pick and roll defense was so bad. I felt like maybe, maybe not even him, you know, and when that happens, it's going to be difficult to beat anybody, especially a team that's, that's not, 
you know, that, that is very good defensively, which certainly is the case with Missouri and, and they get that hot. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you score 75, Eric, you think you're going to beat Missouri, <laughs> mm. but uh, Florida wasn't even in the game really. Yeah. I mean, the effort once one is tough. I, I, I don't question, I like, honestly, I don't question it is, it's tough. effort on, on, def- no. on defense. I just straight up think like you see him, he just has, he's just not that quick and uh, he's just not that explosive. I mean, there were some times where Florida played, you know, decent, but not great perimeter defense. And uh, you know, they got to the rim and there's just, you know, zero shot blocking, like black right. went to contest the shot and wasn't even close. I mean, this, this is a team that a lot of these players are used to having Kavarius Hayes behind them. I mean, black is just not that, um, you know, black is getting told to go and uh, you know, he's got to go show and be active on screens and then recover. Uh, that's really tough if you're not a really good defender. And, like, uh, I, I don't think it's an effort thing. And I think a lot of people really – like, I think a lot of people really think that, like, effort is just synonymous with defense. Like, if you try hard on defense, you're going to be a good defender. Um, <laughs> I, I, I personally don't believe that. And so when I sit – when I so I – and I do want to be clear about that. Uh, you know, when I am not happy with Kerry Blackshear's defense, I, I really don't think it's an effort thing. I, I do think he's really trying out there. I just think he's got physical limitations uh, and is tasked with uh, – with playing a style of defense that uh, Kavarius yeah. Hayes um, was able of doing at a high level, but not many other college big men are, and especially not Blackshear. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 so again, I do think there were some moments too where Florida's perimeter defenders weren't great. They they were okay, but they kind of were on on the hip of some drivers, and uh, you know the person in the help position was Kerry Blackshear, but he just doesn't offer any rim protection. So. Uh, it's one of those things where, like, do, does that mean it's Kerry Blackshear's fault? Well, it doesn't because, you know, you'd like to see a little bit better point of attack defense. Uh, but there's there's definitely no getting bailed out. Like, Kavarius Hayes would bail out guys all the time. Uh, there's no right. bailout right now with Kerry Blackshear in there. It's just uh, just a matter of fact. So, um, yeah, so the effort thing is 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 pretty interesting. Like, I, I don't really know what to say. Again, once again, I mean, I wasn't a shootout. You hear what people said. Um, I did think Noah Locke played well. Um uh, I mean, once again, I look at I look at Andrew Nemhart, who just got a got to run a billion pick and rolls, and because of that had two big games, and then uh, Florida went away from the pick and roll, and then he has a little bit less of a game. So part of me just looks at it and says, like, you, you know, I'm, or but who knows? Maybe he wasn't focused or something, and something that the staff picked up on, and they thought that they're running some of the other sets and involving some of the other guys would be would be the better call. But uh, yeah, the I, I, I will I will say, I mean, if if Florida did come in with any uh, if some of them were not, you know, feeling hundred percent when it came to effort, uh, seeing a bunch of those threes fall for the other team is absolutely backbreaking. So, I mean, if there was any kind of question about Florida's, you know, want to, or whatever you, whatever term, uh, I mean, to see Missouri hitting those tough shots, I mean, those are devastating. Those are backbreakers. Yeah. So oh, for sure. uh, I, I could see why that sunk them a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Florida, Florida got it within 10 and then uh, Trey man missed the front end of a one and one. Uh, and then Missouri, goes on a 7-0 run to get it back to 18, and that was kind of it. Um, so the Gators will move on. Uh, we are going to do a preview of, of Ole Miss, but we're going to do just let people vent first because, I mean, people – it's gotten to where, like, any time Florida loses a basketball game, it's like, you know, that's – the Hive thinks that that's the game. That, that means Mike White should be fired. Um, but I understand. Look, I want to say that I also understand that when you go to a Missouri team that's, you know, started the league the way they have, zero and two, and uh, and it's offensively challenged, and you give up ninety-one points and never have the lead, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, people are going to be upset, and they should be. That was a very frustrating performance by Florida. Not a good performance. Uh, so, Eric, let's do some uh, tweets, and and we can go back and forth on commenting on this. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta jump in with something a little bit unrelated, but yeah, uh, I I've got to shout out Eric Haslam at Haslametrics. Okay. Um. So he has a predictive analytics tool. I don't know if you ever look at it, Neil, but just just like Ken Palm or Sager and anything like that. Uh, yeah. So so one thing. So Ken Palm doesn't doesn't account for injuries. Um, Haslametrics does. So if they kind of know that a player's out, they can account for it. Uh, even with Tillman out, they had Missouri winning by two. And so it's not like they were really close to the spread. Yeah. But I thought, uh, shout out to Eric Haslam, who uh, is, uh, is someone I know and also uh, has one of what I think is the best predictive tools, uh, who still kind of actually saw that Florida was uh, potentially in trouble here. Because I think a lot of people did think that Missouri was, you know, this was Florida's game to win by 15. And the fact that they lost is like shocking. Uh, whereas at least, uh, you know, it has the metrics is, uh, saw that uh, Florida could have been in trouble. But anyways, I'm looking forward to hearing some, uh, hearing some tweets and hearing some reaction. I don't know so, why I had to put, put that one out right there, but it was something. No, that, well, uh, I'm glad you did. Out and I thought it was interesting. I'm glad you did. Cause that was in our, our Missouri preview. We actually mentioned on our show that, that Haslametrics had picked Missouri to win. The oh, game. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I, that was kind of our way of, of hopefully telling people who were listening at that point that, you know, <laughs> you don't just automatically get a W uh, on the road. But, um, yeah, so anyway, uh, let's see. We'll start with uh, – let's just start with the worst. I'm not calling it the worst take. I'm just going to say it's the most negative, and we'll go, like, most negative to, to like, positive. <laughs> let's start at the bottom. And uh, that's all kinds of weather. I'm not going to beat a dead horse with Mike White anymore. If you don't get it by now, you never will. The standard at the University of Florida is to compete for championships. It's as clear as water is wet. This guy isn't capable of doing that. End of story. I mean, uh, I'll take this one. I mean, he was like one good traveling call from the Final Four in his second year. (laughs) So... I would say that that's competing for championships, but um, there were a three-point foul call last year from playing for the SEC championship. That would be competing for a championship, or at least playing overtime to to play for the SEC championship. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, look, frustrating loss. Uh, Let's see. We can – we'll dive into some some, um, other takes. Uh, Here we go. We got one, Art Vandelay at MAW Gators. <laughs> it was a bad loss, but it's not like this was the start of the Mike White fire chatter. Questions in March are, March are fair. If we panic at this point, it is foolish, in my opinion. Eric? Uh, yeah, appreciate the message from Matt. Uh, someone, uh, some, we'll see him at, uh, at the Auburn game in, in Gainesville, so hope you're listening. Yeah, well. looking forward to seeing you. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel the same way, too, that, your season, like, I, I know some people will, will hate this, but I mean, your season really isn't defined in the first 15 games. I mean, parts of it are defined, and you can certainly do enough damage to uh, put yourself behind the eight ball. But, um, and while Florida has, like, you know, come close to doing that, they still haven't done that. I mean, they are still in a position where they can compete for the SEC and still in a position where they uh, can compete for a, a solid seed in the, the, the tournament. I mean, uh, whether or not you believe that'll happen, that's, that's totally fair. But 
um, you know, the goose isn't cooked, man. There's a lot of, there's a lot of basketball left. Yeah. So I, I do think, I, I do think that uh, calling this one a, a wash, calling for the immediate firing, uh, <laughs> anything like that, I, 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 yeah, I just won't agree with it. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to Ole Miss and what Florida could do there. So uh, I, I do think that it's a little bit early for, uh, um, for a lot of the chatter that's happened. I, I would agree with Matt. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, again, say it again. Auburn at one point last year was 13-6 and six and 2-4 and four in the league uh, with a much less difficult out-of-conference schedule, I would add. And, um, and they also were 5-6 and six in the league at one point, 16-8, and, and and ended up, you know, basically a loose ball from playing for the national championship. So uh, it's just – it's just too early to say that the season is over, that people need to be fired. Um, I'll say what I said on Twitter last night, Eric, which is that if this trend this season continues with this level of talent, it would be fair to say, and I think Scott Strickland would say that this team is, or that this staff would enter next season with, with a hot seat, that there would be questions asked about the long-term progression of the program, because this would be, you know, if they keep playing this way all year, it would be disappointing based on what they had on paper. And I think that's true even when you factor in that, like, maybe all of us kind of over-evaluated what they might be defensively, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly guilty of it. I'll, uh, <laughs> I, I was someone who thought, uh, hey, Florida – or sorry, Mike White has gotten, uh, has gotten pretty much everyone to defend at a high level. Uh, so I thought right. this team was going to be really good defensively. I mean, something that I probably didn't account for – uh, and I'll admit that I was wrong, is that, you know, Mike White has had uh, four years of really, really elite defensive play from his centers, which is obviously a very defensive premium position. Uh, I didn't probably fully account. Well, I, I definitely didn't account for um, how much a change there would would, cha- would hurt. And I also definitely thought Florida was going to uh, uh, be able to, to score at a higher level. But um, which, you know, hey, as much as Florida hasn't looked looked great. They uh, their offense is uh, trending better than it has the last two years, at least by by Ken Palm and some other metrics. So, uh, but yeah, I, I I certainly think that yes, there are some people who who overvaluated what uh, what Florida had. I, I'm one of them. Um, I also think you know for some people who do think that Mike White should be fired instantly, I think that they think the fact that it hasn't happened already is some kind of like apathy from the athletic department, and I just don't think that's true either. Yeah. Like uh, that's the other thing I'd I'd want to point out, like. Like I am someone who, uh, you know, I'm on record. I, I don't think they should fire Mike White this year. Um, if, uh, you know, if they just, even if they were to miss the tournament this year, they end up on the wrong side of the bubble. Uh, I'm probably still going to continue to say, I don't think Mike White should be fired. Um, but uh, so I will, you know, state my claim there, but I, I, I mean, that's not, uh, that's not to say that I don't have some issues with, with what's, what's going on for sure. And, uh, some things need to talk, be talked about. I think we bring them up fairly, but uh, that's one thing too. Is I, I truly think that some people think that Mike White should be fired, or think that the fact that he hasn't is like Scott Strickland being apathetic. So I, I think that the fact that you brought up that uh, you know, yeah, he he will ask the questions. He's an excellent athletic director. He's going to he's he's not just he he, he cares about basketball in the program. So uh, I think that needs to be remembered. Yep, um, Ryan Altis. At Ryan underscore Altus says, what has to happen for this team to play their potential too much talent to be 10 and five? I, I mean, I'll, I think they have to defend better. First of all, I mean, you know, I don't think if they're about to play two offenses in the next three games that are better than anyone they've played other than, 
that are more efficient than any offense they've played other than Butler. Um, and LSU will be the most efficient offense they faced. I mean, they've got to defend better, or they're just going to, you know, I don't know. I don't think they can score enough. Well, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is if Florida continues to hover around, like, 34th offensively in 10 Palm, uh, yeah. if they actually defended at, you know, the top 20 level that they did these last couple seasons, uh, the season would be in a lot different space. And, and, and uh, I, I do think that, uh, yeah, you look at, uh, you look at this game against Missouri. I mean, like, honestly, they probably scored the ball well enough over since they're over a point per possession. I mean, that should win you games against most teams, uh, especially kind of teams that are kind of in the bottom tier of your conference. So, so I think the easy answer is, is they have to defend. Uh, Neil, this might get into something a little bit longer than you were hoping. I know you're trying to get through these tweets a little bit quicker, but I do want to bring it up. Uh, I I mean, we've kind of talked about how screen and roll defense hasn't been great. So uh, uh, what what would you suggest Florida does uh, just kind of considering that, yes, screen and roll defense hasn't been good enough? Yeah, I mean, I I was thinking about that a little bit. You know, I was wondering, you know, what Florida would do you know, if, if this was a team that might benefit from playing a little more zone, assuming that they could rebound out of it, um, which, you know, I actually think that they probably could if they're going to play the, the too big lineup. Um, and I think, you know, the thing about rim protection, when we talk about their role, you know, the other thing maybe they could do is, is play a different type of, of screen and roll coverage, maybe drop a little more. Um, and, and just so that they're, they're getting towards the rim with, with their helpers. I don't know if like, I, it takes a level of intelligence to play that pick and roll coverage. And, you know, I don't know where Omar Payne is on that, Eric. Um, it, you know, I think, I think one of the reasons that they've kind of inserted Omar Payne into the starting lineup is an effort. My personal opinion on it is it is an effort to kind of help carry Blackshear who they've realized is, is a bit of an issue defensively. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's something that they would consider doing. I don't know if they'd consider playing some two, three. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I do think like what came to mind for me is that they should be playing drop coverage and, and screen and yeah. roll. And, uh, for people who you see that in the NBA all the time for some people, like if that helps, but a lot of times, like, let's say Kerry Blackshear's man is, is going to set a screen. Um, he would go ideally put himself at what's called the nail, which is like, the middle of the uh, of kind of the free throw line, like kind of dead center of the free throw line, uh, if it's kind of a, a high ball screen. And yeah, he just drops and Andrew Nemhart, let's say he's guarding the ball, he would go over the top of the screen uh, and kind of force him into the help. And uh, by that, you're hopefully taking away the pull up three behind the screen because someone like Nemhart is going over the top. Uh, but uh, and then you chase him into uh, into Blackshear at, at what's called the nail. Uh, so it's it's a it's I would say it's a fairly conservative way of playing screen and roll defense. Uh, versus what Florida is doing right now, which is more on the aggressive side. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 more it's kind of like that. It's it's more conservative, but I, I would say the chances of breakdowns that we saw multiple times against Missouri. I, I tweeted out a bunch of them if, if people want to go see that, see some film of that. But uh, that that's something I would say. I, I mean, the other answer would be zone, like you would, you said. I, I don't know how much zone Mike White ever wants to play. It, it definitely <laughs> it definitely is an option. Uh, it's something that he hasn't done a lot in his coaching career. So maybe suggesting uh, they'd switch to playing, you know, long stretches of zone would be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't know if it'll it's just happen. not I as mean, realistic. It's not as realistic. Yeah. in Florida, I kind of played what looked to be a two, three zone for like one possession. Uh, uh, Missouri got it into the high post. Scotty Lewis uh, went and helped down 
and uh, then they kicked it out kind of. So they went from one guard spot, threw it into the high post, then threw it to the other guard spot for a wide open three because Scotty Lewis went to go double in the high post. So uh, they got out of that defense quick. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I zone would be an option. You just say like, hey, if we play a two, three zone or a one, three, one or something like that, like uh, then you say, hey, we just like we're not going to allow teams to, to screen and roll carry Blackshear. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm not sure how much they do that. So I, I do think switching to something like drop coverage and screen and roll might be a, might be a wise decision. I like it. Um, let's see. Where were we? Oh, here we go. We got one from a longtime listener. C3 at C3C. Mark SC says, this team is remarkably average, painfully mediocre. Mike White simply isn't getting the most talent out of this team. We've kind of covered that. I, I don't think they should be 10 and five either. Um, you know, and I think uh, they're about to hit one of the toughest stretches of the schedule. So it's kind of like you better play better. Um, <laughs> Chris Herbert said yesterday you mentioned effort and investment outside of a couple key players. It's seemingly major problems pairing those with uneven offense and defense. Is it fair to say these issues prove symptomatic of a larger issue, i.e. coaching? Or should they be treated as isolated things? Uh, I, I'll briefly say I think it's a larger issue. I didn't want to get too into effort and investment other than – the trend line with this program the last couple years is that, and Mike White has said that the trend line is handling success is not something that they do particularly well. And so I, I thought last night, uh, the way that they lost a lot of 50, 50 balls in the first half in particular kind of suggested to me that, that maybe they felt pretty good about themselves entering the game. And it's something that White said in the post game. Well, maybe we felt good about ourselves. So, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, Right now, the bigger problem is pick-and-roll defense, I think, mostly. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think that it's more kind of tangible X and O's things that's, that need to be corrected more than it is some of the more intangibles, like like effort and, and hustle. Uh, I, I mean, there was also one. You know, I talked about, like, back-breaking threes. There was one in the second half with Missouri um, that, uh, you know, there was a loose ball. Scotty Lewis hit the floor. Uh, it got batted around, but uh, Missouri just kind of like squiggled out to Missouri and they got a wide open three because of it. And uh, they hit it, of course. So, I mean, that was a backbreaker. But that was a, that was the time where, you know, it was in the second half when the game was kind of mostly out of reach. And I thought guys showed some hustle. So um, I yeah. would probably lean to the side of like, I don't think that effort is is a huge like I like I don't know. Like I, I know a lot of people look at a loss like this and they say like they, they look at effort and hustle. I mean, I, I look at it and say like, man, like this person really missed a rotation when they were supposed to be in help side and Drew Smith got an uncontested layup uh, because of it. Or like, oh man, you know, Kerry Blackshear's in no man's land in, in pick and roll defense and they get a layup out of it. Or um, man, like this person, you know, Noah Locke, you know, fires the post and doubles down maybe when he shouldn't have and uh, he turns an open three or turns it to open three. Or, you know, Scotty Lewis, I, I thought got doubled down when he shouldn't have, gave up a three. I, I mean, I'm just always like, those are the things that I see a little bit more than like, oh man, like there's a 50-50 rebound that I wish that someone hit the floor for. I, I, I don't know, maybe I, it, it might be a blind spot for me just to be to be quite honest. But yeah. um, I, I, I do think that uh, I, I wouldn't, if I were to say like what I think the issues are, I, I don't think I would put effort in my top three or four. I don't know, but yeah. So it's, it's probably not as much on my radar, but hey, maybe, maybe it should be, it could be a blind spot. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I don't think – and again, I thought just last night in the first half. Um, and, and I mean, the staff said so after the game. Uh, right, right. So that's kind of indicative to me that, you know, that they felt like there was a problem in the locker room. Um, 
but they also knew they had to button their, their defense up and they didn't get it done. Um, Tempestuous uh, at Tempestuous82 says, the problem with calling this team young, in quotes, is how many are leaving after this year. Nimhard, Keontae, Lewis, Blackshear. It's not like White is going to have another year of this core players. Let me say first, I don't think that Keontae Johnson is going anywhere. I think he's a three-year player. Um, it did bring up – look, I mean, and I agree. This is a team you want to max out. What I would say is that, Eric, next year's team with Daruji is going to have – more depth at wing with Daruji, uh, Lane, Rusensev. And then the other point I thought was interesting that I thought of today was that assuming that Andrew leaves and Lewis leaves, Florida's going to have a scholarship open. So it'll be interesting to see what they, what they do with it. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be tons of grad transfers on the market as, as per always, um, which, you know, that can make you, uh, turn things around pretty quick, of course. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I am really, really big on, on Anthony Jeruji and Tyree Appleby. And I actually wrote about it this morning. And uh, you can I, just about what uh, what kind of holes they I think that they're going to fill for the Gators. And I just think they're like, like, I really wish they were eligible this year because I think they <laughs> they address a lot of the, the needs that uh, the Florida has. So uh, so they do have some guys there. And uh, uh, that's one thing. And I think Samson's headset is awesome. I think he's going to turn into a five star by the time the recruiting cycles kind of all. All finished, and 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 Lane is uh, Lane has some huge believers. I need to see him a little bit more, but everything I've seen has been awesome from him. So I just like uh, that's another thing that that kind of comes with uh, when people want you know Mike White fired a month ago. Um, you know, I, I still think Mike White has some great guys entering the program, and you've got to factor those things in that uh, you know you make a coaching change uh, that that's not going to be the case. So um, yeah, I, I I just think that. Uh, um, it will be interesting to see leaves. I know some people still think they look like there's people that tweeted me all the time and say like, I don't think Scotty Lewis is an NBA player. He's gonna, like, I just like, he's going to be gone. So, uh, you know, if, uh, if someone like, uh, like Keontae Johnson goes, which, uh, yeah, you know, you mentioned, you don't think so. Uh, <laughs> who knows these days, but, uh, uh <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's going to be some versatility, I think. So, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere, but uh, yeah, I could be totally wrong. Dominic Rivado, Why is Florida consistently inconsistent? Dom, it's a million dollar question, buddy. Um, I think I think it's one of the things that's bothered me. Although you know, Eric and I kind of had opposite takes about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, maybe they aren't. Maybe that's just who they are. Um, Malik Grady, it's Coach White's job to motivate and teach these guys while putting them in the best position to win and be prepared. That did not happen last night. Really didn't happen to start versus Alabama either. With much better teams on the horizon, this is very worrisome. Eric? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I would say that Florida, you know, is a team that wants to uh, pride themselves defensively. And uh, they just got picked apart by, uh, you know, they just got picked apart by, you know, like you said, you think Alabama is uh, getting, you know, getting better offensively. But, uh, you know, Missouri's not great and Florida just got picked apart by both of them. So, uh, that's got to be concerning. And, you know, there was some games earlier, like, you know, I, I said on the podcast, I did not think that that white had the team um, prepared to play against Florida state with a game plan that I thought was conducive to winning. I, I didn't like the game plan going into Florida state. So there's, I mean, that seems like a long time ago, but uh, you know, that was a thing. And uh, yeah, I can certainly see why there's some, some cause for concern because uh, you know, Florida dropped some, some games against teams that uh, they just are going to need to be able to handle if they're going to be a team at the, the top of the sec or, uh, you know, in a good NCAA tournament position. So uh, yep. I think when you see Florida get kind of 
you know, once again, some people will say like outplayed or out efforted by Missouri. I, I do think that they got out schemed a little bit. Yep. Um, uh, because just on the surface, I thought that Missouri was calling beautiful stuff to take advantage of mismatches. And I, uh, you know, I, I feel like I know the Florida playbook pretty well, and uh, I just don't didn't agree with the way they called plays. So, um, yeah, I've got to say I agree with uh, with our guy Malik there. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I thought it was the third time this year that they they pretty clearly got out schemed. You know, um, we talked about Florida State. We talked about last night. We talked about the Butler game after. I don't know if Florida. I don't know if Florida wins at Butler with a good plan. It's obvious that Butler is a top five type team and I, you know, Florida is not really at that level right now. Um, doesn't mean that they can't be, and you know, I still think that the pieces are there for this team to compete, to play on the second weekend. And if you can play on the second weekend, anything can happen, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's concerning. And, and like Malik said, there are much harder, uh, uh, waters to navigate coming up. You know, the next three are going to be, are going to be tough. Gator Truth one three three back into the darkness says all Mike White criticism. I think this is to be read with great sarcasm. <laughs> is one hundred percent about this year only, and in no way are people actually using a bigger picture. Being zero and five against FSU is the best we could hope for. Heck, even being within single digits would be too much. All right, um, yeah. I mean, that's you know, I wanted people to be able to vent. Um, you know, I get it. Uh, I get the people are upset. Uh, Roy, Ray Fager. I think this is one of those games where everything goes the other way. Michigan State had one today, too. We will be fine as the year goes on. A Trey Mann was a positive. Uh, I, I loved seeing Trey Mann have some shots fall. Uh, yeah. That was awesome. So, I mean, I, I'm a Trey Mann believer, as people know. So, uh, uh, that was really good. And uh, he's someone who I also thought showed a little bit of compete when uh, – uh, you know, things were not looking great for the for the Gators. Um, I mean, once again, he had some tough defensive moments as well. Uh, gave up a tough at, tough end one. He was someone who uh, could have used some uh, Kavari's hey, shot blocking behind him on a couple of possessions where he like defended straight line drives okay, but uh, but Missouri had some good finishes. But uh, you know, he he hit a key kind of well, not a key ultimately. Game wasn't particularly close, but hit him at the time, which was like a great corner three, which uh, kind of had breathed some life back into the Gators. So, uh, yeah, he definitely was a little, was a little bit of a plus. Yes, it was. It was something. Uh, if there's a silver lining, I guess that was that was the silver lining. Um, by the way, my Keontae Johnson stat has continued with the uh, five point outing from uh, Keontae last night. Florida's now. One and four when Keontae Johnson does not get double digits. Well, I, I feel like he's a little <laughs> bit of the like barometer for what Florida is doing offensively because, you know, like, like we talked about, he's not someone who really gets plays called for him particularly. So he needs the ball to move and he needs the ball to get swung to him so he can attack a closeout. Or, uh, he's someone who, who, you know, needs to get transition opportunities. He's just not someone who is uh, uh, getting a play called for him in the half court. So, uh, I, I think when you see Keontae Johnson not getting involved, I think you can kind of say like, well, the, the ball probably wasn't, uh, wasn't moving a ton. Uh, uh, he also had some, uh, some, you know, some open three point looks that didn't fall, which is, which is uh, uh, too bad. But uh, yeah, I, I would say still, that's kind of my assessment. I mean, when you see these quiet games for, for Keontae Johnson, I, I, I don't think like, man, he should have went out there and made yeah. something happen. I just, I, right. you know, I understand he doesn't have the ball in his hands and, uh, 
yeah, so that's kind of my my take on. But it is it. What I'm saying as well, though, is I do think that your stat is uh, has some uh, some relevance for sure. Yeah, no, I mean I, exactly. It's not like oh, Keontae has to go find ten points. It's sort of a a reflection of how the team is playing. Usually, that's kind of what it's telling me. But um, at least offensively. So, um, Ole Miss. Uh, opening thoughts, Eric. Yeah, I, uh, I I actually think Ole Miss is is probably a little bit better than uh, than the record would would show, and they don't really have any like you know big wins or uh, or anything like that. But uh, you know, I watch them play. I think they play really good basketball. I think that they they really are unselfish. They really move it. Um, I think Bree and Tyree is is excellent. Uh, I think he's someone who can go and get a bucket when they need, and uh, that's pretty concerning if if Florida or sorry if the game gets kind of close. I think Bree and Tyree might be the best. You know crunch time score of anyone that's going to be on the floor. Uh, and I also think that, uh, that, you know, Kermit Davis, Kermit Davis, I think has always kind of understood his team's defensive limitations uh, going back to a middle Tennessee state. And that's something that I think is why they always played good in the NCAA tournament and against mm-hmm. kind of high major teams is, uh, you know, he didn't try to, uh, he didn't try to, you know, match up uh, one-on-one. He, uh, he was like, Hey, we're going to play some different zones. We're going to, we're going to play man to man a little bit differently. And, uh, for that reason, they'll play one three one. I I watched them a few games. They played a lot of one three one and were really uh, really committed to it. And and uh, uh, that's something you know. Some some you can tell when a coach is. Uh, here's how you can really tell if a coach is uh, you know committed or com- or you know confident to to their zone is when they give up a three. You see what happens. I mean, if a coach isn't confident, they give up a three in the zone and say like, yeah, back to man, back to man. But uh, he's really confident in his one three one zone. And uh, if you hit a three or two against it, there they understand that. Uh, uh, what they're giving up and what they're taking away, and they'll, they'll play long stretches of one through one. So um, I'll say, yeah, it's, uh, they're probably going to play some one through one against Florida. Uh, they're also going to share the ball and be uh, be really unselfish. But uh, Bree and Tyree's definitely a, a really good player. Yeah, he's excellent. A guy that they haven't quite gotten going, which should concern every Florida fan. The way that Florida's been defending is uh, Devonte Schuler. I mean, he is averaging eleven points a game, um, but it's a pretty like. I don't want to call it Kayvon Allen sophomore to junior esque drop off, but it almost holds. Um, just just in terms of, you know, last year this is a guy that shot forty six percent from the field, forty percent from three point range. Uh, this season, you know, he's at forty percent from the field, only shooting thirty three percent from from three point range. So not shooting the ball as well, not making free throws. Has had a little bit of foul trouble um, in a couple games where that's hurt them because they really do need him as that sort of secondary option uh, to score. Uh, he's a pretty good passer um, also, but a lot of his like passing comes secondary, like kind of like classic combo guard good passer, right? Where like if, he start, if he's scoring, it opens up his ability to move the ball a little bit and like he's intelligent enough to make those plays. Kind of what I envision Trey Mann being able to do, uh, although Schuler's not, you know, nearly as big. Uh, although he is physical, um, so that's kind of the second big offensive piece for them, I think. Yeah, it's a good point about the physicality because I think last year you saw with uh, uh, Brian Tyree, and then but then more so with like Terrence Davis, like those were just two uh, really physical drivers, which. Uh, uh, you know, again, especially Davis. So it's good that he's uh, he's not there anymore. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they just kind of like uh, were able to be so physical on their drives and, and make things happen that way. And 
while I don't think that uh, Devontae Schuler is, is Terrence Davis, he's still a good physical driver, and uh, and I think Brian Tyrese as well. And uh, that's going to be a, a, an interesting defensive challenge. And uh, I was looking at the numbers too on synergy, and it's like it's crazy how many uh, like Brian Tyree, like thirty percent of his shots are as a screen and roll ball handler. Uh, right. And so many of them are, and, and he's not really a pull up threat. He's uh, he's someone who like almost all of his shots are at the rim. So that's like they set him, you know, a lot of ball screens to try to get him shots at the rim. He's he's not like a super, like he's a, you know he's a solid passer, not a not great vision. Uh, he's an okay shooter off the dribble, but he just doesn't take that many shots off the dribble. Like he's looking to uh, get get just a little bit of a step on a defender, uh, shield the ball with his shoulders, and get all the way to the hoop. So I mean, in, in a uh, right after Florida has kind of struggled to guard ball ball screens, um, I would say that uh, you got to be pretty concerned for for Brian Tyree, and he's someone who will uh, who will make Florida pay at least as uh, uh, with his individual offense. Though it'll be interesting because you know maybe if Florida is is kind of aware that he's not a great passer, not someone that's like not you know not an excellent passer, uh, not someone who you like have to be super concerned with pulling up off the dribble. Uh, uh, maybe they're able to to defend him a little bit better, but uh, that's got to be the you know coming off a Missouri game where they didn't guard ball screens very well. That has to be kind of the key focus for me. Yep, I would agree with that. The they, they defensively are pretty similar to to their offensive. The, their production on defense is pretty similar to their offensive production. Um, in that they, I mean, the metrics are about the same. Um, they are good near the rim. Um, Kadeem side does a pretty nice job under there as a rim protector. Um, Haslam metrics have them at 12th in the country and in what he calls near proximity field goal percentage. That's pretty good. Uh, Obviously that that's not pretty good. That's elite. Um, But uh, you know, they nonetheless still are only around a hundred in, in Kimpom defense. And so that, you know, they can be scored on. Yeah, I think so. And I do think that they defend, like I was actually pretty like watching, watching some of their games and then seeing where they rank in Ken Palm. I was a little bit surprised. I thought they were, they were better than that defensively, but uh, yeah, like you said, they could definitely be scored on, you know, looking at their numbers they're they're a little bit better in, in their zone than they're, uh, than their man to man. It'll be interesting to see how much zone they play against Florida as well, because uh, it, you know, you know, Florida wants to play through Blackshear. So if you play one through one, it becomes quite difficult to get Blackshear the basketball. Uh, but also Florida has like actually like torched zones. They're at like 1.3 points per possession against zones. So they haven't even gotten to see that much zone defense because there's a couple teams that have tried it and Florida has uh, put up a bunch of points and the teams have got out of it and say like, hey, score on us man to man. So uh, it will be interesting because uh, you could say that their one through one is going to take away um, – is going to take away Kerry uh, Blackshear, but uh, you know Florida's found a way to be good against against one through one, but or sorry against zone. But Florida hasn't really seen uh, one through one a lot. And one thing that's kind of interesting is that Florida hasn't been very good shooting the corner three pointer. Like uh, Keontae Johnson has like really struggled with corner threes, and uh, Nemhart does ha- hasn't been great, but he hasn't had a lot of attempts there. Uh, so it's really interesting because Florida, like a lot of their threes, have been above the break, which is not very typical for you know modern basketball. But uh, so, you know, the one through one is, is vulnerable in the corners, but I don't know if Florida's, uh, if you look at their numbers, you wouldn't say like, hey, Florida's going to kill us from the corner three. So uh, maybe you almost sees that and, and wants to uh, wants to play a lot of one through one. So uh, that's definitely something I'll be watching for as well. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, and in terms of 
let's see. What else did I want to isolate about them? Oh, they don't foul very much. It's another thing that they do pretty well. I, it was a good point you made about uh, Kermit Davis kind of realizing what his team's weaknesses are. They do a nice job of coaching, defending without fouling because I think they know that they have some defensive limitations just in terms of athletes. Uh, so they do do a pretty good job of, of not fouling. And the other thing that they do really, really well is uh, prevent second-chance opportunities. See, they're 28th in Kimpom in um, – cleaning up the glass in, in total re, in offensive rebounds allowed. So, you know, an elite team in preventing and denying second chances. Yeah. That was something that also surprised me just based off the fact that they don't have like a ton of big dudes up in their front court. I mean, they're not, they're not undersized, but they're yeah, not, they're not super big. Yeah. They're not super imposing or anything. So uh, when I see a team that defends uh, defensively rebounds that well, I, I normally think that they, that's another thing that I always think like why I was a little bit surprised that they're, kind of overall defense isn't as good as I thought because uh, uh, when a team defensively rebounds well, that usually means that they're in position to defensively rebound well. And if you're in position to, to rebound, uh, you're probably just, you know, generally in position defense. I mean, uh, you see teams that give up a lot of offensive rebounds. A lot of times it's like they're scrambling. Uh, they're in rotation. They're trying to close out to a three-point shooter. The defense is scrambled. And uh, the same scrambled defense that allowed an open shot is the same scrambled defense that allows an offensive rebound. So I see that uh, Ole Miss takes care of the defensive glass. I would think like, hey, they're they're in position, you know, defensively more times than not. But uh, yeah, that'll be interesting because Florida's had some really hot um, offensive rebounding games, and uh, you know, especially with Omar Payne out there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can get those extra possessions against against Ole Miss because yeah, Florida's jump shots aren't falling. Sometimes they're uh, they're going to need those those second chances. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if Florida keeps going with uh, with a lot of the two big lineups to, uh, to offensive rebound well or uh, or what they're going to do. Yeah, the Rebs are 0-3 on the road this season. Uh, this will be probably the ugliest of those losses was that SEC opener loss to Texas A&M where they, they only scored 47 points. Pretty mystifying defeat. Really frustrated Kurt Davis. They came back and played great and led Arkansas most of the game. Uh, couldn't hold on in the end. They are 1-4 against the Ken Palm top 50. Um, but you know, one really close heartbreaker with Memphis in there. So very close to being two and three in that category. And obviously pretty close five points or less with Arkansas. They did lose to Butler. Um, you know, we, we all saw Butler beat them before the, they, they pounded Florida pretty good. Um, and then they beat Penn state. So that's probably, that's a, that's a quality win. Um, and that came on a neutral floor. So, uh, you know, one that the Gators should get, one that if, if Florida has – I know because I got made fun of on Twitter for suggesting that the Missouri loss kind of hurt in the SEC championship, you know, duel. Um, and it was funny because I got made fun of, but, like, Kim Palm still has Florida, like, second in the conference. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this is this is one of those games why, where if, if you want to win a, a league title, you have to hold serve on your home floor. And so – Huge game for Florida. Obviously, two huge games this week. Yeah, I mean, uh, Florida. Like, I think it's another thing to note that Ken Palm still thinks that Florida is going to finish at the top of the SEC, despite uh, despite that loss to Missouri. So you can keep that in context. And uh, uh, but yeah, even as much as uh, uh, as much as loss to Missouri hurt, I mean, yeah, if you keep taking taking care of your home floor and you still get a couple of these wins on the road, like uh, 
like we saw against South Carolina, I mean, you're you're still going to be in in good shape here. So, yep. uh, yeah, I think this is a game that yeah, you uh, you just I think you just really hope that Florida has a a better performance, uh, kind of just something than they did against Missouri, def- especially defensively. I mean, uh, this is one that you know you uh, you don't. Some people would just love to get the win. I, I get that, but I, I do think this is one where you've got to. Uh, uh, just hope that Florida performs better, and even if they they only win by one or two, or just if they can find a way to win, but uh, but play better basketball, it's uh, it's more important. I I I I'm not someone who just uh, sees a really ugly win and 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 is really content with a, a win is a win. I, I think that those things kind of come and bite you in the end. In the long term, if you if you aren't playing good basketball, so uh, it'd also be interesting again on on short rest. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, having to pre- prepare for for South Carolina on short rest a week ago. Uh, well, you know, now they don't have a great performance uh, against Missouri and now they have uh, have short rest to uh, prepare for Ole Miss. And, you know, they uh, I heard they had to end up sp- uh, spending oh, more yeah, time in Missouri than, yep. uh, than they wanted to because of the storm. So that could hurt yep. their preparation. Uh, so, yeah, just something to, to be aware of. And, and I mean, I think that Ole Miss runs uh, they run a lot of just like continuity offenses that uh, that involve a lot of players and, and those can be. Uh, difficult to defend at times so uh, if you're just you know not locked in so uh so the short rest having to spend an extra night in missouri uh it it, it could be a bit of an issue but hey when you're coming home i think that uh i think florida should hopefully be comfortable yep i would agree so gators Ole miss seven o'clock i didn't see what the start time was let me see i, I believe I believe seven yeah so we got <laughs> Hold on, people. Let me make sure I get this right for everybody. I'm pretty sure Eric just uh, nailed it, but let's make sure. Yep, we got so seven o'clock ESPN two. Um, so you can tell, like Florida's on all these ESPN games where, like in football, they would get relegated to like SEC Network, but basketball programming is still to where they basically just use preseason rankings to determine who's on the big networks all the time. <laughs> well, get this, Neil. Uh, Florida, Missouri nationally televised in canada so, oh so right. great for uh you know not the greatest game for people to experience florida basketball but uh yeah, yeah at least uh hey whenever florida basketball is uh, nationally televised here that's great but uh uh yeah i do think that uh yeah it is interesting to see these still uh, games on it's on espn but hey when uh, florida turns us around that'll be uh, that'll be great yeah no for i mean in florida will be national tv or espn2 so espn2 and cbs this week so a real good chance to to kind of make a statement. Thanks for listening. Uh, we will be back, and Eric will be joining us in the U.S. very shortly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we started this podcast. I was about 12 hours away from uh, getting on a flight. I'm now 11. So, uh, yeah, if you're going to be at the Ole Miss game, uh, send me a message. I'll come say hi for sure, and uh, Neil will be uh, be there on the Saturday game against Auburn as well. So, uh, I've got that to look forward to. So, uh, yeah, but thanks for, uh, thanks for listening, everyone.